Hey, it's Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice, and you're about to listen to an audio version of an interview I've done on my streamcast on Twitch. Now, if you'd like to see the video along with it, you can find it in the links below, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, Chris Edgerly, a.k.a. The Edge Voice. Hope you enjoy it. Am I sounding okay? You got me okay? Yeah, there? yeah, I can give you more good. volume if you need. But. You're good. You're good. Well, I, I usually like to refer it to the chat. Hey, that's James Arnold Taylor, everybody. Uh, he's done some stuff. Look. You see, look in the background. See, in his background, he's got his. We always, we always do this in the Zoom world. We say, yeah. "Hey, what's that? What's that behind you?" And yeah. some people play with their backgrounds digitally. And yours, <laughs> what I love about yours is, it's like, yeah, it's this guy's right. a voice actor. You don't believe me? Look behind <laughs> him. Here, well, let me, uh, let me see if I can. Oh man! All right, that is pretty cool. I, I there you go. I, I'm. I'm not going to be able to hang with that, but I can at least, you know, I got. I got to see it. I'm now. I'm not getting it on. on There's that. a delay. There's a delay. Yeah. So this is going to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all all I have is this little. Uh, let me see if I can strobe it. Let's do the strobe. Yeah, this is my character, and uh, they made these little night lights for some of the characters. So well, that's pretty cool. It's it's not as cool as an Obi Wan with a freaking lightsaber that lights up, but. But that's, yeah, I mean, that comes from. <laughs> we have tchotchkes is what we're saying. We have a lot of tchotchkes from our world. Oh, I see it now. Okay, now I see. Okay, I've got it on. So I can look at uh, your, your stream there. So if people ask questions, I can look at them too. Yeah, this is like when you call into a radio station, there's a delay. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah you won't go off the audio of your, uh, yeah. Look at my name there. My name is bigger than yours. I like that. I, li I like to do that. I like to make the guests feel special. And <laughs> yeah, uh, right. although my name's there twice. So, see, yeah, I don't, I don't like yeah. to get cheated either. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to make sure that people know where to find you because it's not just who's watching today. Because we'll get a few folks watching today. But on YouTube we'll get, you know, we'll get a bigger audience. And that way... Yeah, people will go back and watch and look and stuff. So, yeah. Exactly, right. exactly. So do you need to do any, like, formal introduction or anything? Or this is to... kind of it. A lot of people, they'll come on and they'll say, hanging. yeah, it's like, wow, that was really fun. And I just, I always like to tell them, but you know how you guys like to chat with me when we're just hanging out? I'm just doing that with a camera and a microphone now. It's This is not a formal interview well, look, I'm seeing I'm seeing people uh, saying some Star Wars stuff, so I'm going to say this then to officially start this. Yeah, why not? Here, this is hello there, because people like that. Okay. So, I don't know how I don't know how well you know that, Chris, but like Obi Wan and the line "Hello there" is this big thing now, because so in the first film, A New Hope. Yeah. You uh, you know, Alec yes. takes sees R two and says "Hello there," mm -hmm. and then uh, they put it into uh, let's see, is it uh, Revenge of the Sith? Grievous is there, and mm -hmm. Obi-Wan drops down and says, hello there. And, and very kind of cocky, and then he gets right. into a battle with Grievous. So now, when people see me, or whenever time I come on to videos, they always want me to say, hello there. So there, we've done it now four or five times. But, you know what, and I'll, I'll take the best of those, and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll just, yeah, just, you, you gave me a good three or four in a row, like a, like a pro. <laughs> Now, yes. in regards to that, have you ever been roped into answering the question that most of us don't want to answer if they've been a part of multiple episodes of a project? What's your favorite? What's do you favorite? do you have a favorite or do you just sort of sidestep and say, oh, they're all great. They're all special. Here's the thing. As far as Clone Wars goes, 
now I've been very blessed to be in so many different like franchises and stuff. I saw somebody put Tidus because Final Fantasy X, I was right. Tidus in that. Uh, Ratchet from the Ratchet and Clank series. And we have a brand new game coming out, which is really cool. We can talk about that. And my kids but, watched the movie. Oh, did they? We oh, cool. bought the movie. Oh, well, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, so as far as Clone Wars goes, it's fair. You know, I mean, we did that show seven seasons over the course of many, many years. Mm-hmm. I've been Obi-Wan now for 18 plus years. Wow. And uh, voiced more Obi-Wan Kenobi than any other actor you know ewan mcgregor is the one that everybody thinks of but i've actually done more obi-wan even than ewan and that's i'm not saying and i'm better i'm saying ewan's fantastic but uh it's weird for voice actors you know this mm-hmm. we end up doing so much like you as gobber or me as hiccup you know i've voiced more hiccup than jay Baruchel has you've yeah. certainly voiced more gobber than than craig has you know ferguson has so uh we end up being these characters more intimately yeah than the actors so all that said, you know, when people ask me my favorite character, I always say, well, whichever character I'm doing at the time is my favorite. So if I'm doing Johnny Test, well, then Johnny Test is totally my favorite. <laughs> but if I'm doing Obi-Wan Kenobi, then Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite. Yeah, but damn do Fred Flintstone too. You know, so I'll just, whoever I'm doing at the time, I put my energy into. But as far as episodes of a show like Clone Wars, I do actually have some favorites. Um, there was uh, this arc, the Mandalorian arc, where mm-hmm. um, you know Anna Graves, Chris. Do you know? Have you worked? With I Anna? know the name. I don't, I don't know uh, if I have though. Anna is a fantastic voice actress, and she played the Duchess Satine in the Clone Wars. Okay. And I don't want to give anything away because right. you know maybe someday you'll watch it all with your kids. Uh, yeah. But, um, and it is all about this uh, love interest that Obi Wan had. So we find out that when he was younger, there was a possible love interest he had. And it's a really neat storyline. And then they bring her back. So I always really enjoyed the episodes I got to do with Anna and kind of this flirty kind of Obi-Wan flirting with this gal that's a senator, you know, or the, you know, she's a duchess rather of, right. uh, of a planet. So those were my favorites. I love those ones. Well, I got to do one episode of uh, did, Clone yeah. Wars. I did. I was, and, and because... Guy. I was a Jedi. Yeah, I am a Jedi. And the funny thing is Dave Filoni cast me in that and directed me for that. And he said, "You unfortunately, because of my schedule, I couldn't read with the rest of you guys because you preferred to read ensemble. And I thought that was that would have been so much fun. But Dave Filoni directed me and he said, we were going to kill your character off. And we decided not to. So we might bring him back. We might not. They never brought him back. But yeah, I was Jedi Eth Koth. And I Koth, yeah, yeah. And while it was fun to just be one-on-one with Dave, I missed being a part of that ensemble because it would have been fun. Yeah, and I saw somebody was asking here. Let me look at some of the questions. Uh, let's see. Um, the Who, 1997. Mm-hmm. I love The Who, and I love the year 1997. Look at that. Yeah, it's a good year. Uh, what's some of the more interesting Star Wars things you've learned from the speeches Dave Filoni gave before recording. So you did an episode, so you kind of got it too. So Dave would come in and then he'd tell you about Star Wars. We're going to do Star Wars today. So today's episode is about Eth Koth, and we're going to find out about this Jedi and see what he's all about. <laughs> Here's a picture of Eth. Now, Chris came in and did it before because he didn't want to work with you guys. Yeah. And so, but so it would have been like that. Dave always came in and like told us stories about Star Wars and and then sometimes we'd be in, in a recording session and the phone would ring and you'd be on the phone for a while. We're like, come on, baloney. And you'd hang up and go, okay, George says hi. And you're like, ah, George Lucas <laughs> says hi. Um, 
it was really a neat experience. I wish you could have had one of those days where we all recorded together because it was, you know, right. always in the half circle and mm -hmm. at LA studios. And yeah. We had fun. It was, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Well, I think too, people, they associate our experience with recording it with the final product and they think, oh, because yeah. I felt this while I was watching it, that must have been your experience recording it. And they don't <laughs> realize that it's usually nine months a year sometimes yeah. before you see it and so i'll have a blast recording something and then later on when it airs it's not well received other times i do it and it's just sort of workmanlike and you do it nothing special happens people right. go crazy and i tend to equate my experience with recording something more than with how it tends to be received it's just my own memory of it I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. You know, you, with things like star Wars, you tend to watch it. You watch it when it comes out and stuff, because you know, you're going to have to react. The other thing is, is as you know, so well, all the NDAs we sign yeah. everything, we can't talk about anything. Right. Um, so I end up watching it cause it's like, okay, now what can I talk about on a series like that, where it was so secretive, but also when news came out, you uh -huh. needed to be up to date on it. Right. So I would watch it more, but I agree with you. I always kind of go, oh, that was the day that Clancy Brown came in and something cool happened. And we had a conversation, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, uh, sorry, my, uh, uh, my door to my studio is the loudest yeah. door in Christendom. And I've decided to do nothing about it because <laughs> it, it's become a character. Know, a little WD-40 <laughs> and you're done. I'm done. That. I'm yeah. done. And I, I keep, uh, it, it, the viewers seem to, to kind of almost want it at this point because they know, oh, some, his wife's coming in. His wife's going to say somebody's hello. Coming in. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's <laughs> coming in. It might be one of his kids. Somebody more attractive than him is coming into the room. <laughs> let's let's watch with new attention. Yeah, um, I remember. Oh man, and I had something I was going to bring up too. Oh yeah, when you and I first started really getting to know each other, because I think we had crossed paths before '05. I think. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I thought so. No, yeah, no, we've we've known each other. Yeah. Since, uh, I want to say yeah. Like when did you really? Jeez, uh, I I started earning a living at voiceover in 02 and in 03 i went with pat brady over to cesd and pat brady's the reason i have a career and right. cesd no, is a great place but yeah oh three i think that we met yeah oh three and then oh four ish and i remember working on drawn together with you um oh, okay. the most gleefully offensive show of all time that's right it was an yeah. equal opportunity offender because yeah. you know i'm i'm very like you know i'm i'm Christian guy. I don't do yeah. anything that I wouldn't want my kid to see, but that show was people ask, why did you do that show? And I say, because they, they were equal opportunity offenders, yeah. but also um, it was, I, I also got cast for it before I knew the content because the guys <laughs> knew me and I knew them and I was just, Oh, this is great. And I get there the first day I look at the script. I'm like, Oh no. And I thought, well, <laughs> I can make a choice. I can either go guys, I can't do this and kind of look like, you know, the prudy, uh -huh. Christian that, you know, people might think you to be then, or just go, you know what, this is fun. This is funny. These are good right. people. And I'm really proud of uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the voice work I got to do on that show. I got to do so many great voices in it. So yeah, uh, it, you were fantastic in that. And it's, well, it's funny. <laughs> thank you. I do what I do it a lot. I, I drop in Bill, Bill Burr, the comedian once said, I love just getting helicoptered into a show to do an episode <laughs> here and there. And then I leave. And that's, I was like, you know, I, I was a utility knife there, you know, whatever you needed. Yeah, so. you were. 
but yeah, you were, and you were Trump in that. You were everything. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. And I look back <laughs> on my Trump and I think, ah, that wasn't good enough. I, I've had so much more exposure to that guy now. <laughs> I could have done a much better job. So if you watch that episode, that's eh, a subpar Trump uh, impression. But, <laughs> no, you know, it was yeah. fun. And, and it was it was just a fun show. But yeah, uh, yeah, we started working together way back when. Yeah. Um, and it's it's always been fun because, you know, the thing about your career and my career, is we were parallel. Mm -hmm. We have similar voices, yet we don't ever overlap. It's like. I feel, I mean, there's been times we, we have jokes. Yeah, we go out for stuff and, and you book but, it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, that was a funny story though. That was the, the David Spade stuff was funny. Oh yeah. Let me, let me share that with the chat. Sure, well, first of all, hanging out with another mimic is always fun because when we <laughs> grow up, when a mimic grows up in the world, and obviously that's not all we are, but we are in that category. You right. grow up, you tend to have no other, yeah, you tend to have no other friends that do it at the level that you're able to do it. Right. And you become this little unicorn in your world. <laughs> and then you meet another person who does it. You meet another unicorn and you go, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. They see the world like I see the world. We yeah. were driving around. You were driving me. We were coming back from somewhere in mid Wilshire. And you yep. said, you know, uh, Chris, I'm a lot like you. If I start hanging out with somebody, I start mimicking them without even realizing I'm doing it. So, Chris, when I start hanging out with you, I kind of start talking like this. I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, I do kind of do that. I thought, yeah, I never get to see somebody imitate me. And you just did. I thought that blows my mind. Now I know what other people are thinking when I'm doing them. You are like if I were to take because like Dave Filoni, I was doing my Dave Filoni impression. A little uh -huh. bit. It's, it's close because Dave is a little like David Spade, and you have a little David Spade in your voice. You're like if if Adam Carolla and David Spade <laughs> had a love child. Yeah, yeah, he's a little cranky. Let's we should sand him down a bit. Oh, Get that's him a awesome. little smoother. Yeah, that's awesome. By the way. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. that's from hanging out around drawn together. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <I know. laughs> But uh, yeah, so you've got this really cool, I like your voice. I like how you are right, thank you. and I like the way you talk and you're very funny. Like we were in SAG meetings together and stuff and people would be trying to kind of be really important and serious and say things and you'd go, look, man, the way I look at it is this. And you just like throw stuff out. So, I go, yeah. God, I love that. It's a great character. Well, <laughs> I, I tell, I've told this story before on the stream. Um, when uh, this was pre-pandemic, and actually, I haven't even seen anyone cast this way in years, but used to be for ADR, for automated dialogue replacement, a lot of times a, a name from a movie would not be available to come back in and re-record their dialogue. Yeah. And so they would get a bunch of guys together at one of the studios and have them come in and everybody would watch the footage and they would do their best to, their best mimic I don't even want to say impression because impressions it, it's are not an impression. There's a big difference yeah. between impressions and like, you know, uh, so yeah, it's a voice double. It's a voice match. Right. So they would do their attempts. We'd all go back outside. We'd wait around and we would chat. <laughs> and eventually they'd come out and say, great. Everybody was great. Even though some of us usually were terrible, but they would say, everybody was great. We're going to go with so-and-so. Come on in. The rest of us would go home. Yeah. And so this was a day where it was near the end of the day. We all went out to Sony and it was for the bench warmers, which was bench a David warmers, Spade yep. movie. Yeah. And there are about five or six of us. And mm -hmm. I know it's a David Spade voice match. So I'm only looking for one guy. 
There's yeah. only going to be one person I'm worried about. Everybody else, I figure, I got I got a shot. I don't do a great David Spade, but I had a shot. So you were nowhere to be seen. I thought, <laughs> it's been about 15, 20 minutes. And I said to the other guys who didn't know you, I said, guys, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We all have a chance right now because there's one guy that does the best David Spade in town. And if he shows up, we're toast. It's James Arnold Taylor, all right? So if he doesn't show up, it could be any one of us. And five minutes later, I see you come around the corner and I just went, <sighs> and you say, Hey, what's up? It's like, I'm not going to not be happy to see my friend. And I said, Hey, okay. And then they said, all right, Hey, we're going to take in James real quick. And you walked in and I said, guys, let's just, we may as well start walking to our cars now. And it was one minute later, they came out and they said, Hey, you guys are all great. We're to go with James. And I said, you know, I hate being right, but this is kind of fun <laughs> to have been the uh, the, yeah. the the Swami uh-huh. that predicted it. <laughs> You're good for my ego. That yeah. was funny. Yeah, it was really a funny day. I was fighting traffic because I was, you know, Sony lot is way down there. Yeah. And I live out in, you know, in the, the boonies. Yeah, stuff. you're up. Yeah. And I was trying to get there. I was fighting traffic. I'm like, oh, man. And I remember I'm <laughs> running and I go in and yeah, because I was like, I've been David's double for I don't yeah. know how many years, yeah. and we used to do stand up at the same time. We used to get you know people, we look alike, we're uh, the same height. I can you know I can do his voice. It's really pretty easy. It's just right there, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I remember the lines from that movie still. Hey Marty, I'm gonna go step outside get a drink. You know, it's just uh, like you know, right? Uh, and uh, and yeah, so that was a funny one because I, I I think I went in and did two lines. Yeah, yeah, we were fine. That's that's our that's our business sometimes too. It really is unpredictable. I have booked, let's see, I booked two jobs that I had no right to book. One of them, the only people that were there were Nolan North and me, and it was for Vince Vaughn. And I'm just naturally more like Vince. I, I can naturally do Vince Vaughn better than Nolan can naturally do him. But if oh, it was for Travolta, yeah, yeah if it was yeah. for Travolta, Nolan booked it. You know, that's just the way it went. Or Although, or uh, or I walking the Travolta. Over, oh really? Over Nolan was. Yeah, well, that. that's the thing about you is that you live in a higher register, but you have the ability to get on your little esophageal <laughs> elevator, push, <laughs> push basement, and go boom, and be way down here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't know where that came from. It's. I guess it's in my genes. And that's it. Well, there's a story. Um, I have not shared with you. All right. This is something that I found out. I'm 51. We're the same age. I yeah, I'm, I'm two weeks after. No, I, I talk about it all the time. I'm trying to manage their expectations. The reason why I don't understand half of what they say <laughs> is I'm just old enough to be your guys' dad. That's why. That's that's the weirdest thing. Yeah, so I just turned 51 a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, last week for I, me. Yeah, last week for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was 42, so almost 10 years ago, I found out that the person I thought was my father my whole life was not my father. Really? Yeah. And uh, long story short, um, uh, my real father was a man that did exactly what we do for a living. He worked in uh, radio and television and used his voice. And he had an ad agency and he did radio commercials and stuff in mm-hmm. the 50s and 60s. And um, I look like him. I sound like him mm-hmm. as far as I know. Uh, I've, I've, I'm dying to try to track down some audio of him. It's hard to find because it's all pre-internet. But uh, yeah, so the funny thing is, is I guess I inherited my my vocal dexterity from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will occasionally talk to my dad on the phone. <clears throat> we personality wise are not that much alike at all. 
but his voice is if you just put a little bit of a southern lilt in his voice ah. and just speak more slowly a little bit more measured and um and just obviously add about 25 years of texture to it sure. that's yeah. that's my dad and that's where i'm I just figured that's probably where I'm heading, and yet we're a product of both our mother and father, and the yeah. only impression or sort of double I can do that as a woman is my mom. I, Isn't that funny? I don't know why, but I can sound just like my mother. <laughs> just yeah, Hey, it's mom. Just want to see how y'all doing. I heard there was a fire, and I wanted to make sure you're okay. If anything <laughs> happens in California, yeah, oh, it, yeah. it well, could she- be in San Diego. She wants to make sure we're okay where I am two hours yeah. away. So. There's no, yeah, context. Yeah. Now, here's what's fascinating is you mentioned your dad has a little Southern and then you did yeah. your mom there with a Southern and you don't have a Southern accent. And it's, it's yeah. almost, if someone were to guess, people would guess like you're from back East somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up in the deep South, but in Savannah, which is on the East Coast. But okay. when I was in high school, I had an accent because I remember looking at- really? Yeah, I had this VHS copy of when I was on the Quiz Bowl team, <laughs> the athlete that I was, basically guys <laughs> who just answered trivia questions for points. And um, we they, they aired some of the matches on local cable access TV. So <laughs> a few years later, I watched and I thought, man, I had a real accent there. And I don't know what happened, but as I moved out, I moved to Orlando when I was about 23 and I started doing stand-up professionally. Okay. Florida, Florida does have Southerners, but Florida is yeah. this strange region that is not North. It's not South. It's everything and nothing. I don't even know what to call it. But after about a year or two of living in Florida and touring as a comic, even though I was touring around the South, I just didn't have an accent anymore. It just Isn't it was that gone. Funny? Yeah. And well, yeah. <clears throat> wouldn't that go to what you and I do for a living of matching people? I started and- thinking that. You know, you just start to kind of because people always go, well, where are you from? Because I'll say y'all and stuff. And yeah. it's just a mishmash of everything. But I'm just a California guy. I was born and raised in Santa Barbara, California. Yeah. And so I find that if I'm if I'm around, so, and it's like Johnny Depp, you know, when I do his mm-hmm. doubling for stuff. And he's got that affected, you know, almost almost British at times. And so I find that I could go into that, you know, just kind of like it's just you you just grab pieces. Yeah. And each yeah. Day is different. I don't know how your wife is, but my wife will say like. Your voice is different every day. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Some days I'm Michael J. Fox. Well, wait a second, Doc, you know, and, and then other days I'm down here. You know, it's just, it just depends. Well, you're, it's like a car. You're taking it out for a spin. And you sometimes, that somebody told a story about Peter Sellers, who was one of the all-time great mimics. Oh, my, yeah. Yeah, and even if he couldn't necessarily impersonate a person's voice, the persona he could take yeah. on would be completely different. And they yep. said they visited him once in the morning. They'd come mm-hmm. over and they were, I guess we're going to do some work together. And he came downstairs and over the course of 15 or 20 minutes, they said he must have spoken in like six different accents from different <laughs> parts of the world until he settled in. And they said he's trying out his persona today. It was as though he was running through a Rolodex of who he wanted to be that day. Yeah, that's wild. Now, I mean, thankfully, I'm not. No, you zone. you are always James. You've never been anyone other than James. You, I don't see you twist yourself into a different persona to please a room. 
Yeah, but I, I would think, say the same of yourself. Yeah, but. I think Sellers though had that problem. He did not really ever, I think, get a grip with with no. who he was. Yeah, there's a documentary that just came out. I saw about a director that worked with him on a movie that was like a failed film, and they kind of hated each other, and then they came back together, and and then loved each other, and it's this <laughs> kind of love story to Peter Sellers of of his genius, even though people said he was incredibly hard to work with. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the only person to voiceover like that would be Nolan North, really. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That, I, I got a list of things. I, I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is the interwebs. Don't worry. That's going to get clipped and sent out there. No, You're going to get a call from Nolan. One. What the f***, man? <laughs> Nolan's one of the people who will it. know. Yeah. That's why you do it is because Nolan you knows. know you can give Nolan a bad time. He is yes. Just, <laughs> he is just brilliant. And he's a brilliant mimic as well. But he's also. Yes, he is. Just a, a heck of a guy. So yeah, well, I know I can give him a bad time. But here's what I gave Nolan a hard time about. It was mainly off stream because I've I've interviewed him on here before. Is that yeah? I did not know this about Nolan, but until the pandemic, he was just submitting auditions on his phone because like <laughs> he had a mic at home on a desk that he hardly ever had to use. Yeah, and he would submit it on his phone. And I said, really? He goes, well, they know who I am because it was always for video games and things and a lot of right. animation. And at that point, he was right. His name preceded him, whereas, yeah. you know, with me, I have this whole setup. I'm going to use it. And so when the pandemic hit and everything got locked down, he frantically had to figure yeah. out how to do all this stuff because he says, I, I got jobs coming. I, I, I can't I can't read it off my phone. And so <laughs> he I think he's caught so up. Did now. you help him? Okay. Yeah, I helped him as much as I could. I said, you know, you really got to talk to Andrew Cascino and yeah. uh, guys who really know call me. He should have called me. I'm just down. I'm I'm not far from him. But, I know. Uh, Geez, you've got an entire studio right there. Well, I'm I'm one of those nerds because I started in radio uh, back when I was you know 17 years old and stuff. I've I've always loved the gear. Yeah. And so I've had a I've had a home recording studio since for the last 26 years out of my 34 35 years of working. Mm -hmm. And um and I just love it so so much. And plus, because I, I do the promos, I do the promos for the Simpsons and all those shows. Too, yeah. So we're connected in that way. Oh yeah. Um. But uh, so all of that work is always from home, you know, mm -hmm. you just so you're and you never know you're like being a doctor with with promo work. It's like you're on call and they go, can we get you to do a promo in five minutes? Yeah, OK. And then you run and jump in the booth. Right. So I'm used to having a home studio. I prefer it. But it is, you know, it's like it's more of a it's this a whole this is a real deal. And then like the booth is over here. I have a booth. It's mm -hmm. about five by six. And um, yeah, that's and about what mine is. That, yeah. that seems to be a sweet spot. People kind of, yeah, you know, it's it's good, especially, you know, if you got a decent height in it too and stuff, you know, that's mm -hmm. important. And and then you just don't have corners, you know, it's like that are going to capture sound. So I got a little bass traps in there and stuff. You know, you mess around with it because people always ask like those brown panels behind me. Mm -hmm. Those are in the corners. They kind of help with the sound bouncing off there. But mm -hmm. yeah, man, it's uh, building studios has been a big thing now. Everybody's like, what do we do? How do I do it? You know, and I always tell people and for for people watching this too, like what's the best way? Honestly, if you have a walk-in closet and you want to do stuff, I, the funny thing is, is we were living in a house in Santa Barbara and we had, I had a, a separate, you know, like separate house mm -hmm. over the garage that was my studio. And at one point we had some friends that needed a place to stay. And so I lent them my studio, let them stay in there. Cause there was a bedroom in there and everything it was right. a whole space. And I'm like, well, gosh, I got to do my gigs. So I built, uh, I brought the mic into my walk-in closet 
And it was like, it sounded better than my booth. I know. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Because closets just naturally, <clears throat> the clothes and stuff, they really yeah. create a great space. So if you're looking for a good space and you have a walk-in closet, bring a mic in there, man, you're set. I know. That's what I was doing. We were uh, living in one place before we finally bought something. We lived in a, in a great apartment that had his and hers walk-in closets. And uh, we didn't have enough space for me to have a proper studio. So, and the walk-in closet had carpet. I had my clothes hanging on either side. Yep. I went to, I guess, uh, Home Depot and got a little piece of wood and a couple of uh, elbows. And I just made a little shelf, put my yep. laptop there. I had enough room <laughs> yeah. to put the mic in front of it. The right. acoustics were amazing. Yeah, it really works. So yeah, so for <clears throat> people want to know down and dirty there, but. Here, let's, should I get back? I'll look at some of your questions here. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, somebody says, uh, Nolan, they're talking about Nolan. This is going to be the Nolan North show. Yeah. Uh, Nolan voice match walk and Christopher Walken and click. Yes, he did. But you know, I also have voice matched for Christopher Walken in things. There was a game that came out that was, uh, it was a James Bond game and Christopher Walken was supposed to be in it and it was me. And the funny thing is, is after the, uh, the review, came out they said christopher walken was great in this game i said whoa <laughs> crazy that's great so but uh, i gotta give nolan a bad time for this yeah i i worked with jay moore back in 94 oh, as he's a comic the one that broke the code man jay he moore did. is the first one he broke the code for walken yeah, yeah i remember attempting a christopher walken in the late 80s because i had seen a view to a kill for the umpteenth time on hbo yeah. and i thought and that was where i dubbed him for it was was for a game of view to a kill yeah, yeah and you know he has this crazy way of speaking, but I was younger, so I couldn't get the low parts. Yeah, the it's parts where, there. Yeah. yeah, where he gets way down. But I thought, this guy doesn't, is this guy reading from the script? He's just, he, he throws out all the commas and apostrophes and, and everything. That's what I'm told is that he takes, he, he gets his scripts without any of the pronunciation. Any yeah, of the and punctuation. Yeah. Or punctuation yeah. Rather. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I remember working with Jay Moore. He was this guy, yeah, who, who kind of blew up the idea of doing um, Christopher Walken impressions to the point where everybody had one and yeah. like three of them were good and everybody else's was terrible. <laughs> and has, Wow. Crazy. Yeah. yeah and yeah. they go up here. It's like, well, he's never <laughs> sounded like that ever. He doesn't do that at all. That's when, well, that's, yeah, people yeah. started doing Schwarzenegger and it's like, it's not Kermit the Frog. Okay. <laughs> he's down here. He's low. He doesn't always go with, it's not way up here. <laughs> that's what happens. Well, it's like, you know, because I, so I have a stage show and I do voices in it and I talk about it. And in that, I, I run through characters. And, and at one point I go, I could do, you know, like I could do Johnny Carson mm -hmm. or I could do Dana Carvey doing Johnny Carson. Yes. Because Dana Carvey was always great at that end. But he did these great impressions, these great caricatures of people. And he would take it to the nth degree. That's mm -hmm. what I liked. It's like by the end, his George Bush was like, nah, 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 nah. And yeah. he wasn't even speaking English anymore. And that yeah. was funny, you know? So that's that's the big divide, though, between impersonators and mimics or, or, or matches. Yeah. You know? Because when we go in to match somebody in a movie or a TV show or a game, you have to do it the way they would. Like, so uh, for How to Train Your Dragon, I do uh, Jay Burchell, and so I just have to be able to just talk the way Jay would talk. Or, or uh, 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 also, um, Fish Lakes is is uh, Chris Freeman's play, and so you know uh, that's uh, you got to do his 
the way he would say things. And then your gobber, you know, which, yeah. man, that's a tough one. I love that. Can you do a little gobber the, for me? The most uh, involved uh, audition I ever had was to be the voice match for Craig Ferguson because he's a bit of a caricature himself. If you watch his show, he's extremely Beautiful. Scottish. And he goes up here and he comes down. Yeah, and and that oh, Chris, was that jumping beautiful. through some flaming hoops right there. That was not easy, but thank you. Well, no, it's it's. No, I mean, and I'm such a nerd. I'm such a fan of other people's voices, doing the voices and hearing, especially ones that, are, that like I could never come near doing. It's just yeah. fun for me. So it's just like that is just so perfect because I love love Craig Ferguson. He is. Like, yeah, he's, he's just, great. He's just a character, <clears throat> but doing that is just like oh my gosh that is so and i remember when they came when those voice matches came in i'm like mm -hmm. man i don't know who they're going to get to do that because you know it's so it's such a you got to get that accent right you know yeah. americans usually doing those are you know it's like you and trevor duvall do you know trevor yeah i worked with him on uh, f is for family he's another yeah. guy he's, he's one of those guys where you will meet other voice actors who can kind of do this or that and they they find jobs here and there and then yep. you meet another unicorn who you could drop him in anywhere and he's going to fill in any spaces you have. Trevor is an amazing, yeah, he's one of my best buddies and we're texting all the time. He's got, boy, he's got an amazing home studio. He lucked out. He found a beautiful home that already had a place built. Nice. Out and stuff. But um, he is, uh, he's my dog Dookie on the TV show, Johnny Test. Okay. It's my dog Dookie. He's totally awesome. Uh, but Trevor is one of those guys that can just do any accent like south african mm -hmm. uh australian mm -hmm. british scottish irish you know he finds the differences in between he's just really good at that stuff and and yeah he's on f is for family there with you too but he's mm -hmm. just a he's a great guy but he is one of those people that you could talk to for hours on it all too and oh yeah. you know what he has he has a youtube channel right now because your your folks here your viewers might be interested in this he's into uh rpgs okay playing games and he created a, a season and he's working on the second season right now. It's called, um, what is it? Uh, uh, win, lose or die or, uh, uh, all right. Uh, roll Look die, it up. You know? Yeah. So it's me, myself and die. That's okay. the first, uh, YouTube show. And he does, a, he plays this role playing game and he does all the characters and stuff. And it's really awesome, but he'd be a great guy on, on for you to talk to as well sometime because you guys just, have a good time as far as uh getting replaced i mean i have had this happen twice on um commercial tv campaigns where yep. i was the voice of something and it had been airing for a few weeks and i was feeling yep. really i puffed my chest out and one time i was out and my commercial came on and i said to a friend oh listen to this listen to this that's me that's me and then i then the time for the voiceover came on and i said that's not me yeah, midway through, yeah. got replaced. I I have had that happen. So I was the voice. I've been the voice of Fox for for about eighteen years for their mm -hmm. Sunday nights, The Simpsons, Family Guy, and mm -hmm. Bob's Burgers. Mm -hmm. But that's been great. But uh, before that, I was voice of ABC, and uh, I remember I was doing. Gina Davis had a new show, and I had just done these new promos for Gina Davis's show, and they came on the same thing. I told my wife, "Oh, check out the new promos. I'm doing this new, different voice on it and everything." And, <laughs> She's like, that's a really different voice. I'm like, yeah, that ain't me. Call my agent. They're like, yeah, they're going to go another direction. I hate that. Another direction. Another ah. direction. Not <laughs> you. That's all that means. Well, I realized too, for How to Train Your Dragon, the voice match for um, the voice match for uh, God, the um, hiccup or 
No, uh, Nolan worked on that, and he was the voice match for Gerard Butler's character. Yeah, and I he can't, was, yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember. It was Gobber and Stoic. Yeah, Sto- yeah. So Nolan yeah, was... Yeah, Stoic's uh, my was, dad. Yeah. So Nolan was my dad, actually. On that one, that's right. And did you ever do one of the most fun sessions I ever had? It was a series of fun sessions was on Celebrity Deathmatch. When they brought it yeah. back for MTV2, I got to be... Uh, referee Mills Lane. Yeah, let's get it on. And I got to be Nick Diamond. And so that's right. You were both. Yeah. Well, I was on an episode. Okay. You did. That was what was so fun about that show is they had three fights every episode, and that meant two celebrities they needed. And I got to work with six different people every single show, and usually I would know at least half of them. And I remember Nolan came in for one where he did Dwayne Johnson of all people. Really? Yeah, yeah. How and funny. I know. And uh, John DiMaggio came in to do Chris Farley. Of and course. it was Chris Farley fighting against Horatio Sands. So it was John DiMaggio up against Carlos Alizraki. And <laughs> I've never laughed so hard in my life yeah. watching well, those guys do what imagine. they do. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Who did you yeah, do they're... on that? Because I'm trying to remember. I was uh, Christian Bale and I was Johnny Depp. That's right. I've been both of their voice doubles for many, many years. Bale. Um, He's a guy who's all over the place with what he does. Yeah, that's a funny thing. So I mainly when I double him, if I'm if I'm doubling Christian Bale, it's usually um, an American accent. You know, it's but yeah. if I'm doing Johnny Depp, I might be doing, you know, well, Johnny, Johnny Depp's everywhere because I've been the Mad Hatter and Willy Wonka and Jack Sparrow. Um, Didn't he call you on the phone for one of those where you said he wanted to actually talk to you to make sure yeah. you so understood when, where he was coming from? When we, when we did the Willy Wonka games, um, they gave us, they were so top secret about it. Colette Sunderman was the one that okay. booked me and cast me on that. They gave us, I think it was 12 seconds of dialogue. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, and he's not doing him himself. He's doing this really, you know, and I saw I went, it's David Hyde Pierce meets Mr. Rogers. So I was just kind of, you know, I took a little David Hyde, oh, Frazier, mm-hmm. I took some of that, and a little Mr. Rogers, and I just kind of put it together. And then you got Johnny Depp. I was like, okay, I could wrap my brain around that. All right. And so we did these games, and it was like six hours of doing it. And then they he asked for a copy of it while he was in the Caribbean doing the Pirates movies. Uh-huh. And he asked for my cell number and my home number to call in case he felt I didn't get it right. But okay. actually, no, the thing is, is he never called. But I got to work with him years later. Um, there was this thing called uh, The Legend of Jack Sparrow. Uh-huh. It was at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Florida. It was only there for like two years. It was a great attraction, but they took it down, I guess, because people thought it was a ride. And it wasn't a ride. It was mm-hmm. an attraction you went into. This is hologram of, of Jack Sparrow projected. And I was the skull because I'm the skull at Disney. So like dead men tell no tales. And gotcha. Captain Jack, you know, ah, yes, Captain. You know, so I was doing this pirate skull that floated around. And so they call me one day and they go, we need you to come to the studio at Disney. And I was up on a 20 foot scaffold with a mic strapped to me. Uh, and wherever I moved, you know, <laughs> to give Johnny his eyeline. So Johnny Depp is there in full Jack Sparrow. Wow. Regalia, everything. And it's just me and him on stage all day working and 
you know, he's shooting guns at me and throwing stuff. He was like, so cool. He was the nicest guy. And I'm like, do I tell him that I'm his double for everything? I didn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't have the nerve to tell him. It, it so, can be weird. A lot of times you're not, yeah. you're thinking about them because a lot of people don't necessarily want to meet the person that does them because it might weird them out. Yeah. So I, I just yeah. didn't tell him, but I studied him like crazy. So. Right. Well, <laughs> I remember once doing, um, I was cast to be Mike Myers's double, uh, voice double for uh, The Cat in the Hat. And oh, so yeah. this was where we all, we send in our auditions and DreamWorks and Mike, I guess, picked mine from the list. And it right. wasn't just for like a game. It was for anything that had to do with the movie. So I did a talking right. doll. I did the game yeah. and I did these Burger King commercials and this, yeah, well, the story was he was very, very hands on about what we were doing. And so I went in to record the commercial and I'm doing the cat, you know, it's from the movie. Oh, that's, <laughs> perfect. Oh, but, that's perfect, man. I love well, that. But not according to Mike. <laughs> so <laughs> I did it exactly the way I did the audition. And he was busy, I guess, maybe post-producing the movie, working on getting it ready or working on something right. else. And he would hear it later that day, and he would send back notes and say, he sounds too Brooklyn, he needs to sound more Queens. And I thought, um, okay. And the poor Burger King execs, because I wasn't going in there for scale. They said, look, if he's the official voice match, this is right. his quote. And it right. was six spots. And they yeah. said, okay, um, yeah, bring him back in. And I went back in again, and I did it the way they said to do it. And then I, we got another call. No, now it's too much like this, it needs to be more like this. And back in I went. Wow. I kept asking my agent, Am I still getting paid? And he says, every time you show up, they have to pay you. I said, okay. And finally, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these poor ad execs, these two yeah. guys that are just, you know. It's... So they get that it's not you. They know that it's him being a little finicky. Yeah. Yeah, because I said, They're look. They're thinking, you sound like him. Yeah. Like, they were happy with it. They would send it off. And it was, it was like Mike's representative on the phone or they're saying, Mike's not going to be happy with that. It's okay. And finally, I, I actually said to them, um, guys, look, I, I certainly don't want to derail the gravy train here, but why doesn't Mike just do it? He's spending as much time telling us what he wants. He could just step into the booth and do it and we'd be yeah. done. It's like, look, I don't want to say no to the money. The money's awesome. But right. so cut to, I don't know, a month later when the actual ad airs, and I go, hey, this is the ad. This is going to be me. And that's not me. <laughs> and I found out later. Yeah, Mike just went into the booth and did it. You just know. Did it. So yeah, he just ended up doing it because he, he it had to be exactly this way. And so yeah. yeah. Well, at that time, he really had that power too. To yeah. Do that. Yeah, um, and and yeah, it's weird how that happens because another time I got a call from Universal last minute. The agency said. How quickly can you get to Universal Studios? And at the time I lived yeah. in the Valley, I said, I'd be there in 20 minutes. I went yeah. up there. It was a Visa commercial. It was the cat shopping. And as the cat's walking away from behind, you see him do this. And they said, yeah. we just want you to go woo-hoo. I said, okay. And I did it like five times. And I got my quote, not a scale fee, nice. my quote, which was like 10 times wow. a scale fee. And they wow. called the agency and they said, yeah, he was really only there for five seconds. I mean, what do we pay him for that? And the agent said, you pay him his quote. And they'd say, oh, okay, we were just making sure. So, yeah. yeah. Man, yeah, that's uh, that's the awesomeness of, of when you can negotiate it like that. Sometimes too. it happens that way. Sometimes it does, yeah. Yeah, It's uh, there's funny stories of doubling people because 
uh, Colette told me once because she directed Christian Bale on the Batman um, video game, mm -hmm. and I had done some of the trailers. So it was, you know, these, you know, it was all very like in here, you know. Right. My mic is here. That's why I'm getting closer to it. Yeah. Um, and she's, I played her. I go, you know, I've been doubling Bale for stuff. I played her the thing. She goes, that's the stuff we played him <laughs> to get him back into character for the video <laughs> game. And, and I was like, wow, okay. I guess that's pretty good then. Yeah. And then it happened with Baruchel, Jay Baruchel on, on um, How to Train Your Dragon once where they went. We need to re-record this line. And he goes, why? What's wrong with it? They said, it's not you. And he went, wow, well, that, guy's, <laughs> that guy's all right, I guess. You know? Yeah. So, I remember um, doing something for, um, I did, actually, we worked on the same game, just on different days in different rooms. But I was right. Aragorn in Return of the King. Right. And then I guess maybe another game. And then I did some other Ranger voices for other Lord of the Rings games. But sure. for Aragorn, Vigo just didn't want to do the games anymore. He was done. And so I, you know, booked the job to be his voice double. And so for that, they said, they want to fly you up to Redwood City, to the EA campus. And I said, really? Because at the time, I did not like to fly. I was just oh. over that. Yeah, I had a real oh, okay. anxiety about flying. Really? Okay. And I said, did the, I could drive up there. And they said, no, no, they'll send a limo and they'll fly you up. And I thought, okay. And um, so it's a 45-minute flight. So I'm yeah, up there easy. and I land, you know, and I didn't. Now I could see it for, hey, look, it's another adventure. Go have fun. Yeah. But I walk in and they say, okay, we just wanted to be here because this is the first time we're doing it without Vigo. So as I do a few takes, there's a woman that came in and I realized she's British. Okay. And she says, all right, let me, let me hear a bit of what you're going to do. And I said, okay. And I did a few things and she said, yes. That's fine. Uh, what the other cast is doing is uh, the ones who aren't British, they're doing this sort of pan-British accent. It's not regional. It's whatever it is. And so you'll, he's fine. And she leaves. And I realize that's what that was about. They just, <laughs> they wanted to make sure this is not Vigo. So somebody panicked and they said, well, get him up here. Yeah. You have all these frequent flyer miles that How we just funny. use for people. So yeah, I got picked up by a limo. I got driven to the airport, flown up. It was a long session. I got driven back to the airport in a limo, flown back down. Anytime I did anything for them after that, it was in LA. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird little world we get to do. And when we're fortunate enough to be able to do these things, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, mm -hmm. there's some great stories involved in it. But oh, I haven't looked and seen what questions. Well, asking. somebody wants to hear the Aragorn. Here's what I'll tell you about Aragorn. If you play that game, you realize there are no quiet moments in that game. And one of the reasons why is because I can do Aragorn when he's yelling, when he's very tense and angry. But doing him when he's lower, I almost just become me again. And so um, Vigo has a very, very tricky voice. He's a little pinched yeah. when he talks, and it just depends. on You know, if he gets more intense, I can do him. So That's they funny. said it's a good thing this is a video game because we can't find anyone to sound like him when he's quiet. So it's all fight scenes. And so it's always yeah, yelling it's for him. Guy, yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, that's, that's wild. Yeah. It, it's, there are voices like that. It's like Johnny Depp for me. Mm -hmm. go, oh, let me hear you Johnny Depp and I'll be in a bar or a restaurant or you're out somewhere and yeah. you're like, I, I mean, can you, you know, especially nowadays you can't get that close to people, but it's like, yeah. Because Johnny Depp is just, everything is just right. And, you know, just, mm -hmm. and he mumbles and, you know, that's a lot of the work that I'll do is I'll 
replace what he said because they'll go, it just wasn't, we couldn't hear it loud, right. well enough. Right. You know, so can you sound like him, in, but but clearer, you know, enunciate <laughs> yeah. more. There, Yeah, there are a lot of vocal hoops we have to jump through. And it's, uh, I liken it to being a session musician. There's a, yeah. there's a great, there's a great documentary, and I've mentioned it before. It's called The Wrecking Crew, Wrecking and it's Crew. about yeah, it's these session musicians. And they described what their life was like back in their heyday. And they said, oh, yeah, I'd be in Studio City, and then I would go down to Hollywood, and then I would yep. come up to Burbank, and I'd said, yeah, that's, that's a lot about what that's it's like. What it, yeah, I don't know if you ever saw uh, in my stage show, I have a bit, a day in the life of a voice actor, I call it. And it's this mm -hmm. little sketch. And it's a map. It's a little cartoon map. And there's a mm -hmm. little cartoon James in a little cartoon car. And I drive from Burbank to Studio City, that's Sherman Oak, you know, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just talk about, oh, I could go here and here and here in a day and then go back home and do a thing there and then go back out. Yeah. And it, it really is. It's the same thing. Yeah. Someday, maybe somebody will make a uh, a doc like that, you know. I mean, I know that voice was great. Uh, yeah, I know John DiMaggio did one there. And yeah. um, I also, if you've ever seen the movie Rounders, so that's that's a great movie, Ed Norton and Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. And basically, at the time, I was a comic on the road. I had not yet segued over into voiceover. But those guys would get up when they felt like getting up, and they would hit all these games around the city and around, like, the tri-state area. They were playing poker? They were playing it? poker. They were playing uh, Texas Hold'em. And Texas that movie did for poker what basically The Color of Money did for Nine Ball. It yeah. just made it insanely popular for a few yep. years. And so yep. I look at these guys who are about my age and they get up when they get up and then they hit all these different games and they make whatever money they're going to make and they have ups and downs. And right. that is a combination of stand up and voiceover. You get yep. up and uh, when voiceover, you're getting up in the morning. But in, in stand up, you just get up whenever because everything happens at night and you make the rounds. You go to the yeah. clubs and you just you carve it out. You make it happen. And it's a romantic telling of it. The nuts and bolts of it is a little bit different. Yeah, no, I was a stand-up. I started when I was 16, and I did it till I was about 22, and it was just too much. I just, you know, I got into radio mm -hmm. early on in that, too, and that made it easier because I was a DJ, and so I had my own show, so I could go, and I'm going to be in Ventura at Hornblowers, you know, and I could advertise, and so they liked right. having me as, like, the opener <laughs> yeah. or, the, or the, you know, the middle. Right. Um, but... I was like, yeah, I can't. And I just didn't have the neuroses that most comics had. I just didn't, I didn't fit in. There's an edge the that you walk on. And after a while, I realized after a few years, I hit a 10 year wall. And that's what it is for a lot of comics. After about 10 years, you are either heading the way you want to be heading, or you're starting to sort of spin your wheels a bit. And I was yeah. trending upwards, but I was spinning my wheels as far as my passion for it. And I really yeah. was wanting to be in the voiceover world more. I wanted to sleep in the same bed. I wanted to get up, do my thing, and um, get paid better. Maybe also. have a family. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like, have yeah. a life. And I knew comics yeah. that would, they would work 52 weeks a year. They wouldn't care. Oh, yeah. They love to be out doing it. I thought, this is not me anymore. Because they get addicted to it, too. If you're not doing it, then it's, yeah, what is it? Yeah, it's uh it's really crazy, man. It's I'm I'm I I, I love it. I still love stand up. I still yeah. performing. That's why I created my stage show because it was like it was kind of best of both worlds. And I got mm -hmm. to I've, I've taken that all over the world, Japan and Ireland and England and then places all over here. But yeah, it's like okay, you get that out of your system, and then you get to go back to doing what you do. You know, but, right? It's a performance, Jones. It's a connection you get. That's one reason why I do this too: is be able to connect with people in whatever way I can. 
because yeah, I don't I don't live in the stand up world anymore. It's just not no. my thing. Oh yeah, June. Uh, my mod says James is also in Tales of Symphonia. Is Yggdrasil? Yggdrasil. Okay, and I was Juan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, were you? Yeah. So we were, yeah, well, we were in that together. People That's mentioned funny. these. I mean, we've been in all sorts yeah, of I can't. That was like 03, I think that game yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, that was, I. you know, the funny thing is, is I'm, I've got kind of a, a weird memory for these things. I can mm -hmm. remember standing in the studio. I believe it was, was it Bang Zoom? I don't know. It might have been Bang Zoom. For me, I think Bang? it was, all right, where is, uh, where was Kalmanson Cal and Kalmanson? Where is their... Uh, no, you're right. It was in that... It was in that was little in that building. building, right? Yeah. You yes, take the first right before you go all the way back. So you're like me then, and too. I, I remember, people can say, you know, oh, do you remember doing this mm -hmm. character? You remember doing this thing? I'm like, no, but I remember the session vividly. Yeah, I remember, I remember the studio. The people. I remember being in the booth. I remember, I can see it in my head right now. Yeah. Um. I can remember some lines, you know, right. doing some lines and stuff. I remember the character, but uh, yeah, that's that's really it's a weird thing because we've been in hundreds and hundreds of you know thousands recorded thousands of things, but hundreds of studios and places. Yeah, and yet you still recall them, you know. Well, I know. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm looking. I saw one here. here. I'm looking at questions. Uh, he's ratchet. Yeah, I'm ratchet. Uh, main difference in terms of training or learning between doing an impression and doing a mimic well you know i would say uh for me at least i i think again as, as we talked about an impression is more of a kind of a caricature like you take dana it, so. carvey dana carvey, yeah, dana carvey even once said that he says i do a caricature of the voice so his travolta was yeah. hey you know it's like really weird it's sandy you know all crazy yeah, but if you're yeah, actually you know. yeah if you're gonna do Travolta, he just, you know, he's not like that. This is, this is a, yeah. 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 yeah this yeah, is the texture yeah. of it. Um, but so, yeah, it's finding them and hearing them in your, I, I have like a little tape player in my head is the way I always say it. So if it's like I say, if it's Jay Baruchel, I hear him come out before I do it, you know, and, or if it's Michael J. Fox, well, okay. Okay. So, you know, wait a second. I, I, I got to hear it in my head and then, you know, it kind of comes out and my, I feel my throat change and great Scott Marty, you know, you do doc and, and Marty and, and together. Right. And you just, I don't know. It just kind of happens. Um, if, another person asked about Johnny yeah. test. I just want to say, yes, sure. Johnny test is coming back. There's a uh, season seven and eight are coming to Netflix soon and a movie. And oh, so, nice. Yeah. Nice. We've been, record, we've been recording new Johnny Tess. So lots of content. That. That's why. Lots of content. Yeah. And and uh, Summer Redstone, uh, who passed yeah. away today passed at 97. Away. May he rest yeah. in peace. I have no idea what he was yeah. like as a person, but I've done so much work over the years for Nickelodeon and stuff he owns that I feel I should mention yeah. it. Or a SWAT team will break in and uh, say, no, you're supposed to mention it. But he was famous, apparently, for the phrase, content is king. And, uh, and right. these days, it's never been more true because everyone is capable of producing some kind of content on some level or another. Yeah. I mean, just right here, we can do something. Mean, you can have something be a hit and right. live on Twitch, on YouTube, on, you know, uh, what is the Quibi is a new thing now, too? I mean, there's and just TikTok. so many ways of making it. TikTok, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, Phil Lamar and I talked about this last week. Phil said something that Phil's always the smartest guy in the room. And um, yes, yes. yeah, you guys were just on a, on a negotiation committee together. Thank you for your work yes, on behalf were. of the union. Um, yeah. Phil said that, uh, and this is true, when we all came up, we were anonymous before we were working a lot. We were just slaving away 
in our bubbles trying to create a craft, a technique, an approach, and you fail yep. over and over again until you start to figure it out. Now, yep. somebody can instantly get a million hits on YouTube or Instagram by doing something um, yeah. that just somehow captures people's attention, but they haven't had their 10,000 hours of craft. And so they're That's stuck. so important. Yeah. yeah. That is, boy, is that a crucial point of what's missing? Because I think a lot of people I had, um, someone come in and ask me today, even uh, we had some work uh, at the house and fellow was talking to me about it because, you know, you see Obi-Wan Kenobi and they're like, oh, what do you do? Right. You know, and, and everybody always is like, oh, how do I get into that? How could I get in? And it's like, you need thousands of hours of experience being in front of them. It's not just about doing voices. It's not. And I don't say that because it's like, hey, man. This is our gig. No, yeah, you're I not protecting your work. That, it's yeah, it's no, the truth. It's just it's a really crucial point that that Phil you said Phil made that yeah. point. It's really uh, crucial that nowadays it's less about the experience of it. I find that with my daughter, she's 15, you know, and she'll be like, "I just want to get in there and cook in the kitchen," you know, because I do all the cooking. I I, uh -huh. I, I would have been a chef if I wasn't a voice actor. <clears throat> right. And she's like, "I just want to get in there." So she gets in there and she starts doing stuff, and it's like. Oh, you know, like the pots are going to fall off or the, she's going to cut her finger up. I'm like, I know you see me do it, but you can't, you got to like get that experience. It really, there's nothing like experience. Right. So that would be like the one thing I'd say to young people nowadays is that's why when people ask me, what do you do? It's like, get books, walk around the house, reading Dr. Seuss books out loud in different characters, mm -hmm. get comic books, change it up, do the characters, but read them out loud every day, read out loud record yourself reading out loud every day, listen to it, even if it's just putting your iPhone up and, and listening. So you get used to hearing yourself because I don't mind the sound of my voice. I'm sure you don't either. No. I'm used to how I sound. Yeah. I hear me the way you hear me now, mm -hmm. but most people go, oh, that's my voice. Get used to your voice, get used to reading, get used to reading cold, pick up things that you wouldn't ever read and read them out loud. Don't just read them in your head, read them out loud and mm -hmm. do it without messing up. Those are the things. To, to be a successful voice actor. And if you can't get that experience by being one, you can still get it by doing those types of things. That will help, I think. Yes, and uh, everyone, when they're young, no matter what era you're talking about, is always impatient. They always can't wait yeah. to work. They can't wait to get to the promised land. That's what I was like in stand-up and in voiceover. I just, I want it now, I want it now. But the yeah. world gives you a different answer. The world tells you, yes, and when you're ready, you will get there. The difference now is we're encountering the same younger versions of ourselves, except the world doesn't tell them that as much. The world tells them, no. if you get a million hits right now on YouTube, we'll book you for something. We'll hire you. We'll do whatever. And the world rewards yeah. them for doing something that's a shortcut. And then they discover, well, that's all I got. It's like, well, okay, but you need to yeah. have more. Otherwise, we're going to get very bored with you very quickly. So the yeah, world rewards the world. it. Yeah. spits them out they they reward them and then they spit them out and it's like but if i think about that if if when i was a kid doing stand-up or doing radio i got everything given to me at the time i would not have i mean i even yeah. look at just my career even the things i did get where i kind of go gosh now i look at it and think well i wish i had that gig now because the experience like mm -hmm. i'm at this point we were doing clone wars even mm -hmm. i remember where it really hit me this was many years ago when we were doing clone wars and jim cummings who is, you know, one of my heroes in yeah. the world of voice over. He's Winnie the Pooh, Tigger 2, and mm -hmm. uh, about a million other voices, quite literally. And he's an amazing guy. And I was watching Jim. He, he does the character Hondo Anaka on the Clone mm -hmm. Wars. 
and I'm, I'm watching him take this character that was also going to be one where it's like, maybe it's just a one-off. We do it once and that's it. He took it and he goes, Dave, you mind if I kind of mess with this a little? And Dave's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, whatever. And he turns his character into something completely different. Now Hondo Anaka is an animatronic at Disney's Galaxy's Edge mm. flying the Millennium Falcon. And he's the voice in that. And it was, I went, he doesn't care uh, about, you know, like, I don't want to say he doesn't care. He's, he's relaxed. Let me, let me, yeah. he's so relaxed in what he does. He doesn't care about like, I got to get this right. It's like, I'm just going to act now and have fun. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so once I started doing that, it's just like, I'm sure you had that with stand up. Like the first, after the first five times, you know, and you bomb a couple times, you go, Oh, I can't do this for them. I actually have to do this for me. Like I have to enjoy what I'm doing. And then it's doing it for them. If I go up there kind of going, are you going to laugh if I say this? No. But if I go, this makes me laugh. This is funny. How about you? They go, yeah. oh, I'm relaxed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's the same with voice acting. I think you got to, you know, I'm sorry, going on and on about it. But it was seeing Jim do that. It really turned a corner for me where I thought, yeah, man, he just took that character, made it his own. He didn't fear. He just went in going like, I'm going to have fun. You guys want to have fun with me? Cool. Right. And it works. Right. And a lot of that confidence, as we're noting on the chat, it comes only from experience. Some people are born confident, yeah. and there are certain ways in which I was naturally confident in my ability, but you could still throw me into a situation, and I wouldn't know what I was doing because I hadn't encountered that before. I didn't have enough seasoning. So yeah. talent's great, but until you learn how to harness it, channel it, know when to use it, and know when to shut up, let somebody else do something, pick your spots, yeah. all of that. This is just, you cannot get it any other way than by experience. And so you young yeah. guys and gals out there, you young folks who want it all now, that's exactly what James and I wanted when we were young. But the world yeah. said, you're going to get it when you're ready to get it. And now we look yeah. back and we think, okay, that, that was fair. That was fair. That's the way it probably should have happened. Yeah, you will look back and, and say that, I think. Yeah, but the other yeah. thing is, is it, it is, it's that how do I, because that's, I think, the new thing now is how do I acquire experience if I can't get the experience? You know, it's like, I know. That's why I try to give kind of those hands on things of, you know, the beauty of this generation, Twitch TV, YouTube, mm -hmm. and stuff. People go, well, we have a fan Star Wars page and we yeah. recreate scenes from Clone Wars or we recreate scenes from the stories. You're, you're garnering experience, but you have to be able to, build it from there and get advice and mm -hmm. you know things and take criticism and all of that learning to take criticism is a big is a big deal learning oh to be yeah wrong, oh right? yeah so i have a podcast chris and i and yeah on it, tell I me about say, it so it's called talking to myself okay but i'd love to have you on it sometime sure because uh, i do have guests on it sometimes too mm -hmm. but it basically the show is me talking to me all the characters and i do it all in real time and and, and live it's it's fun it's on youtube it's on spotify it's on you know, Apple podcasts, all that mm -hmm. James Arnold Taylor talking to myself, but in it, I always say this, I say, know what you believe and why you believe it and know more than you want to know in life. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I think right now we're kind of in this place in life where people, they know what they know and they like that. Cause it, it feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. But I say no more than that. So you, what that does is that affirms what you know. If you truly know what you believe and it's it's really planted in you, it will only reaffirm that. Right. So you don't have to be worried about that. I think sometimes people go, I don't want to know too much out of that stuff. And 
It's like, yeah. no, it's important to know more than you actually want to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Phil and I talked about that too. I am, um, I am uh, much more of a, um, I don't know, what's the way to put it? I, I don't know if spiritual is the way to describe it. I do believe we're more than just a sack of bones, but I'm not a religious person, haven't been in forever. But I do believe in... Um, keeping everything your mind open you must stay open-minded and the way i like to approach it is both philosophically and scientifically and mm -hmm. what i talked about with phil is that a lot of people don't like to feel uncomfortable and uh, there's yeah, a neuroscientist yeah. i love right now yeah exactly the neuroscientist i love to listen to is sam harris and he has said i don't want to be harris, wrong yeah, yeah. I don't want to be wrong any longer than I have to be. So he is more than willing to entertain any kind of argument from anywhere because he yeah. has decided in his mind, it's going to feel a lot worse to be wrong and walk around being wrong and not knowing you're wrong. And later on you say, oh my God, how could I have been that stupid? And then yeah. you find out later, if I was just willing to take a little bit of discomfort. Just, yeah. Yeah, step into yeah, that hot bath is, and you'll get used to it. It's a good thing. It really is. I always say, you know, it's like I lost my voice uh, 15 years ago to black toxic mold. And yeah. um, it was at the height of my career and I mm -hmm. I couldn't speak. And um, I thought, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And, you know, I, I there's a whole story. And there's, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm again, I'm a Christian guy. I'm very You're a person of faith. Regard. Yeah. I am a person of faith. Yeah. And my faith is everything to me and all that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but that thing that i found from all of that was pain can be strength training so much more than peace you yes know? you have peace and everything's fine it's all good and i'm in my little world and i'm in my bubble it's that's great but you grow and you endure and you persevere and you learn so much more if you're willing mm -hmm. to go through those hard things and so you know my voice is stronger now than it's ever been i've learned so much more about diet and exercise and mm -hmm. all that from from lo losing it not from anything I had done, but being exposed to something, but it, it really was a great blessing for me, actually, mm -hmm. you know, like the things that we think are going to kill us, make us stronger. Those expressions are, are cliches for a reason. They're true. They're really mm -hmm. true. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I always try to challenge my, my listeners and stuff to, you know, find those things. I wrote a book about it too. Uh, it's, uh, What's it called? Um, it's a, I, I might happen to have, can we find it at fine bookstores and Amazon? It's, it's on Amazon for okay. sure. Uh, it's, sometimes it's in bookstores. It's called JAT365. All right. It's 365 Daily Inspirations for the Pursuit of Your Dreams. Okay. And it's basically, it's like a daily inspirational thing. Okay. And I pose a question to you each day and you can accept it. Then you forward it. You take a snapshot of it, send it off to a friend to encourage them. And then you put it into practice. And then at the bottom of the page, there's like a little journal. And you journal your thoughts yeah. from the How did it go? Yeah. How did it go? So, at the end of a year, you basically have a journal of your dreams and your goals. So hopefully by the end of that year, you're like, oh yeah, I set forward to do this and then I achieved it this way. And, and, uh, I mean, it's been out since 2013 and it's okay. quite a, quite a well, it's and done well. people, people have said that it's really helped change their lives and help them think more positively, be more mindful and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, cause that's really what it's about. What it started from was social media. Cause when I first got a Twitter account, I was like, you know, 140 characters, and everybody's so negative out there. It's such a, you know, yeah. bed of, of opinion and hatred. I was like, I'm going to be like the one happy guy out there on Twitter. 
isn't life great, everybody? Shut up, James. You know, yeah. But I, I did. So I challenged myself to write something positive every day for a year on my social media. And then I took all of it and put it together and crafted it and changed it up and made it into a book. And right. So, well, there you go. It's it's practical because it's it is very practical. Yeah, yeah. There's so much advice out there that if it makes you feel good to read it. But are you going to put it in practice? Because it's it's like a good diet and a good exercise regimen. It can be really ambitious, but it will fail because it's not tailored to a person's habits. It's not tailored to them building yes. something that's doable every day. The best that, diet is the one you stick to. That was the most important thing. Yeah, that was the most important thing to me in all of this because I am very much like, I'll go cold turkey on stuff. I'll do whatever. But I want answers. And I know that most young people uh, want answers mm -hmm. nowadays. They, they, you know, sometimes you want that quick fix, but yeah. So I try to actually give more of like, here's the actual things to do. Not just one of these positive thinking things. This isn't great. And think mm -hmm. this and say this. It's like, no, put these things into practice, write this down, do it this way. I tried to give people tools to actually make it work daily for them mm -hmm. because the truth is, is you're going to wake up some days and feel like garbage yeah. and you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And that doesn't fit into the positive, you know, motivational speakers goals a lot of times and right. they don't cover that. So I try to yeah. cover that as well. Yeah. I remember and I've actually worked, this was years ago. I was actually working with them at the time in 05 when you were going through your black mold situation, yeah, we were know. on the negotiation committee, all that. I was working with a cognitive behavioral therapist because I was going through an existential crisis, self-manufactured of course, but I had segued from being a comic into a voice actor. I was getting a lot of the things I had hoping to, I was hoping to get, but I had not really ever come up with a good working philosophy for my life. It was just way too reactive, not enough putting my own, my own uh, effort into being happy, into being purposeful. So what I was right. learning from him too, is he said, look, <clears throat> Every day, life is going to bring you something that you didn't want. Every day, you're going to feel uncomfortable or unhappy, and there's going to be different degrees yeah. of that. Your job is to get yeah. up and say, that stuff's beyond my control. What can I do that's within my control to meet my needs, keep them in balance, so I will always have a way to take anything life gives me and turn it around? He was extremely practical. Because otherwise, great. it won't work. That's great. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, I, I actually was blessed to do a TED talk years ago and I did it on that <clears throat> kind of same principle, transformation, accepting that we can transform into more positive, more happy people if we really kind of take on the fact that we accept that things aren't going to go our way. Yeah. That's really the only way you can do it. Yeah. So yeah, you have to be, and then it just allows you to kind of let things not just roll off, but right. you, you handle them more. I mean, you know, you're a dad, I'm a dad. You, you realize that when you're a dad, when, when your child comes in with, you know, uh, yeah. it's like you, you have to just come in and, and handle it. So yeah, uh, those things are good. It's good to go through those moments. I, I think for anybody that's going through anxiety and stuff, just yeah. breathe through it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, breathe through it. Find the things that help give you peace, but know that they're. This is actually a good thing. It's going to help you build yeah. stronger, like a, a stronger immune system, almost. You know. Yeah, exactly. Bertrand Russell uh, wrote a book. Yep. Uh, geez, the conquest of happiness. He wrote it in 1930, and yeah. it is still very practical today. And one of the things he says is, "Melancholy is a passing mood. Do not mistake it for wisdom. Just because you're feeling yeah. down at some <laughs> point, then." The other thing he talks about is you have to cultivate, he's using 1930s terms, you have to cultivate zest, 
nobody says zest anymore, yeah. but he's basically saying, zest. learn to be enthusiastic about things because your body yeah. and your mind will reward you for showing enthusiasm. Everybody's postmodern and too chill for things. They're over it. Well, when you're over something, you're not having any fun. Don't be over no. everything. Don't be That's afraid to so be sincere. True. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like when you're doing the voices, it's the little things. It's like, I just love that. It's like, find the excitement yeah. and things that are going on around you. It's like, oh, do, do gobber. I like that. It's like, yeah. I'm like a little kid. That's how we should be about things. It's like, yeah. I'm going to finish this and I'm going to go have a salad with my wife and daughter. I'll be like, ooh, I get a salad. <laughs> I'm exactly like, that way. I will find myself feeling grateful. The, and and I, I can't remember his name. He's a fellow client at the agency. I haven't seen him in years. But he said, yeah. um, absorb what is useful, which is also a kind of a Bruce Lee thing. And I have a friend, yeah. uh, Joshua Self. He's done some voiceover, but he's mainly touring, I think, as, a, as kind of an illusionist and hypnotist. Okay, yeah. But he has a degree in philosophy. And he said, uh, Edge, you don't need to read too much philosophy before you keep coming to the same truths over and over again. And one of them is you've got to be able to find pleasure in the small things and, uh, and be gracious for when things are going well and be gracious for what you've been able to do for yourself. And every now and then I'll find myself getting happy about something tiny. And I'll say, sometimes it's, Ooh, I'm going to have lunch. Oh, and I bought that one thing I was going to have for lunch, that one sandwich yeah. that I love to have. And I'll get happy and I'll be thankful that I have the kind of personality that gets happy about something so small that yeah. it's like, I'm glad I'm able to do that for myself, feel happy about something that seems inconsequential but I'm going to go have fun yeah. for a minute. That's going to be great. That's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I still love going for drives. I still get in my car and going, I'm going to go for a little drive. It's nice. You know, Yeah. you don't have to go anywhere, but you can just go for a drive. It's yeah, absolutely find those things, getting outside, playing a game, mm -hmm. whatever it is for everybody watching. It's like, find those things and, and write them down and make yeah. note of them. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing I talk about too, is like, checking things off lists even if it's as simple as i got up today i brushed my teeth i ate i took out the garbage write them down and check them off the list if you need to start getting yourself motivated for things yeah. it, what it does is it starts telling your brain i am able to accomplish things yes and i'm able to accomplish things well yes and you can say james that's stupid brushing your teeth and taking out the garbage it's like no man yep. start with the small things there do it it starts building up those those cycles in your brain because the brain is very malleable mm -hmm. but it's also you know, it's like when a friend of mine that's a, a therapist, his mm -hmm. name's Joe Sikora, a brilliant guy, and he says, you know, when you watch a scary movie, you go, why did I get scared? It's because the brain takes that in as real, mm -hmm. what it's watching at the time, what it's experiencing. So when we are surrounded by negative stuff, the brain goes, okay, but it's the same with positive on any form. I like that sandwich. Oh, I'm happy I brushed my teeth. I'm happy I did this. It starts building up the positives in it too. Yeah. So it's really important. Yeah. I mean, this hopefully this time listening to us go on and on about nothing. Absolutely. Made happy. Yeah. Um, Tony Robbins, who I know is can be a controversial figure for people. Yeah. I, and I understand yeah. it. I get it. But the guy knows. Too, yeah. yeah. The guy knows his cognitive science. All right. Sure the does, advice yeah. he he gives is based on very sound cognitive science, and he says. And I agree with this because I learned it from a cognitive therapist. The story you tell yourself every single day, that's who you become. And we start with a script that we're given by our parents and by the authority figures in our lives when we're, when we're kids. We may grow yeah. up later on and find that some of those scripts had holes in them. They had problems. 
but we're still yeah. playing that script. He says, you've got to be able to give yourself a new script. Jordan Peterson, another guy, he's controversial. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. But yeah, Peterson yeah. is a licensed practicing therapist, and you may not like his take on everything, but when he talks about science, he's talking from a place where he knows what he's talking about. And Jordan Peterson has said, when you uh, talk about being happy, he says, a lot of times people think they're supposed to be happy. He says, I would suggest instead a person learn how to put meaning and purpose in their lives. Do that yeah. instead. Happiness will be a byproduct of that. Yeah, yeah, I talk a lot about on my podcast the difference between joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. You should have joy always, but happiness is fleeting. Happiness comes and goes. Mm -hmm. But joy is a grateful heart. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, for me, again, it's it's through my, my spirituality, you know, and Jordan Peterson, J.P. Moreland wrote a book on it as well. I really like uh, C.S. Lewis, obviously. Um, yeah. Norman Vincent Peale, Power mm -hmm. Positive Thinking. Power Positive uh, Thinking. Yep. Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you know Joe Dispenza. No. Um, he's not Christian. Um, he's I believe he's a Buddhist or something, but uh, he wrote a fantastic, he's written several books, mm -hmm. but about the brain and the power of the brain and the mm -hmm. ability to change and heal. Mm -hmm. This man was in a, uh, he was hit by a car and on a he was jogging mm -hmm. or on a bike accident i can't remember years ago broke his spine and he he was a chiropractor and he was you know he knew all the, the inner workings of the body he spent the whole time while he was laid up in bed imagining every day his spine healthy and and, and he healed his body mm -hmm. through his brain uh, and it's a it's a scientific one it's it's a proven one it's not like one of those weird ones where people talk about uh you know, and again, it wasn't a spiritual thing. Again, I'm 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 Joe's spiritual guy, but this guy, mm -hmm. Joe Joe Dispenza, he was just somebody that said, I'm gonna make myself better uh -huh. by believing it. And mm -hmm. he did. And he's written books about it for years now, too. It's it's interesting. I've done this stuff called neurofeedback, mm -hmm. which is um really interesting as well. And it really helped because uh I, I've had concussions as a kid and I I found that, you know, if there's stuff wrong with the brain, it needs to be corrected and mm -hmm. you can't see it. So, mm -hmm. so many of us are walking around with these little things, but it's like the power of, of healing that brain is, is it's a big, yeah, it's a whole other show. Oh, yeah. But, no, but, but yeah. it's, but it's sound. It's the same thing. My, uh, my therapist told me back then, cause I, I went for about four years and he said, all right, you're ready to graduate and yeah. we'll move on. But, um, he said, we have, uh, all these associations in our minds that have formed habits and you've got a 16 lane highway of 30 years of habits that you have built up and yeah. you're digging a little dirt road of new habits and you're trying to reroute traffic. It's yeah. going to take time to reroute it all. And he says it yeah. will take years because that stuff is embedded in your skull and you've got to slowly rework it. Those habits don't die easily, but you yeah. create new habits to replace them. You crowd them out with new habits. Absolutely. And I think both you and I are here to say living proof that you can do that. Oh, yeah. Actually, you really, really can do that. Yeah, yeah. I did not come from a, a great childhood or a great background or anything. Um, and I've really been able to create happiness, uh, mm -hmm. like joy, I would say. I, again, mm -hmm. I would say joy, uh, a joyful heart um, and find those moments of happiness and enjoy them when they're there, but also enjoy the times when they're not there. Yeah. Because I'm mindful of it. Yeah. That's the thing I learned too, is that this isn't something that just lands on you and you get to enjoy it and you have to wait for it to land on you again. You have to actually yeah. work for it every day. You have to roll up your yeah. sleeves and do the work. But after a while, the work becomes a habit and habits don't take effort. Habits just happen. They're just, they're there. Yeah. So once you've created that good, positive habit, you'll find it's weird when you're not doing it. So yeah, that's absolutely. really all it is. 
your day feels off if you're not. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) That's right. It's the way to put it. I don't want to well, keep hey, you man. here too long. I know yeah, that you no, have a I window. Yeah, I probably uh, get get uh, get going soon. But this has been fun. I love. I, I feel like I didn't answer enough of. Uh... Well, if you want to take another question here, feel free. Uh, if you guys want to throw one more out there for uh, for James before before we get Let's going. Well, Any here's... chance of having a spectacular Spider-Man uh, saved. saved now? Were you on Spectacular Spider-Man with us, Chris? Did you do that show? I don't know if I did. I did one Spider-Man recently. It's the newest one. I did just like uh, a science a scientist. I got helicoptered in, you know, yeah. and I did my thing and they choppered me out. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know which one. There have been so many Spider-Mans. Like, I actually am Spider-Man on the ride at Universal Studios Islands of Are Adventure really? in Orlando. That's been oh. me. That's been that ride opened in 99 and it's still going. Everyone at some point or another has been Spider-Man, it seems. Yeah, I've been Lego Spider-Man. I've been regular Spider-Man on many games. Um, But in Spectacular Spider-Man, I was Harry Osborn and Josh Keaton was Spider-Man. But in the games where I played Spider-Man, Josh played Harry Osborn. (laughs) Yeah, we wear a lot of hats in this business. Um, Art Art of Chinara is asking, will you do another trip to Europe at a convention? Obviously, when everything lifts. I would love to when it all comes back. Yeah. yeah. I would love to do a convention with Edge. It'd be I, great. I, be I This fun. was the year where I was going to do one or two. I was yeah. going to dip my toe because I, I'm i like you. I'm very much a family guy. I do yeah. not spend time away from my family. My wife yeah. and I have only spent one night apart, um, uh, let's see, in 12 years. And it was because wow. she had pregnancy complications. She had to stay over in the hospital and I went back home because I had The Simpsons the next day and I had to be close <laughs> to the studio. And she kept my hat and she slept with it. Oh, like, like that's yeah. sweet. Well, yes, we're that couple. But yeah. we don't leave. And I finally, the kids were old enough where I said, we could leave them with your grandparents, with their grandparents for a weekend. And we could fly off for a weekend and I could get them to pay for your ticket. And it would be like this little vacation where I worked and we had fun. And then COVID happened, and that's on the back burner for a year or two. So yeah, I was doing a decent amount of cons. I hadn't, I because I had always hosted these Star Wars events, Star Wars weekends, and Star right. Wars celebration, and so I never really did the cons. And then when those ended a few years ago, I started doing some cons again. And uh, last year, I did more than ever. I think I did like ten cons. Wow! I was supposed to do like fifteen, and I pulled back and did like ten because I'm just not a traveler like that either. Yeah, I like being near my family as well. And, and um, this year I was going to pull back completely. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of convenient for me. I had a couple of shows I was going to do, but they all got canceled. But um, yeah, they're fun. You know, they're fun. It's, it's, always, it's always fun to be able to do stuff and see your friends. And you know, it's like a session, you know, when you get into the booth with everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe soon. I, I think probably within the next year and a half or so, we talked about that before, that things will start getting a little more back to normal. And yeah, it's going to take a little while. Again. Yeah, it's yeah. going to take a little while. The, the cons will be, unfortunately, one of the last things to come back because it's so many I think so because of people. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I guess there's ways they're doing little Instagram ones and stuff. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. do that. And until then, we've got like your, your, your got stream this. here. Yeah. And uh, I've got my channel. So people go to jamesarnoldtaylor.com. You can uh, go to follow me on and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you if you don't mind. It's all free. There's hundreds and hundreds of videos of me. Mm-hmm. Everything from um, my book. I did an actual daily version of video version of my book 
so you can get positive inspiration every day. I do have that. a show on there called Clone Wars Conversations where I interview some of my Clone Wars castmates. Um, and I haven't done a new season of that lately because of all of this, but I was planning on it and then COVID hit. And I have uh, things of me in the booth there. I've got uh, all sorts of different, I have a show called The Jat Show. Um, and, and then I have my podcast on there and all sorts of stuff. So Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Jat Actor, J-A-T Actor. And you can follow me there. I had a TikTok account, but I just recently um, got rid of that one. Just, it just seemed to politicize the whole thing. I was like, okay, you know, and I, I wasn't on it much because uh, it's for the young kids. I'm an old the, guy. You kids with your, with your, your sexting and, and your TikToks and your Instagrams <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. Yeah. So it's like I'm on Twitter. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm there. Uh, Instagram, I'm there as well. Um, and you can always uh, go to my website. And yeah. There's ways to email me there. See, this is what you get from James. If you like his, uh, his work and you're a fan, great. You can go and enjoy the fan aspect of it. If you want to learn a little bit more about how voice acting is done, how it's all set up, uh, the tech to the techniques, all of that you yes. can learn from that. Plus, if you just want to learn an approach to being more positive that you can start using immediately, you can get his book or you can look at the videos. So James is one-stop shopping. I don't even know why you're watching me anymore. James has <laughs> well, it covered. Yeah. No, you're fun. You, I, I try to be. I try and to you be. do all the voices I don't do. Yeah, so yeah. between the two of us and, and Nolan, somehow. Yeah, Nolan. yeah Nolan, whatever. that guy. Yeah, whatever, Nolan. <laughs> all right, so... James, uh, I'm going to let you go, and All then right. and uh, I will briefly address my my uh, fans here. But I know you have okay. stuff you have to be getting done. But well, I will say as Obi Wan Kenobi, it's been a delight to be here with you. I have a good feeling about this, and the force is strong with all of you. Thank you so much for uh, having me hang out with you. I'm going to go see if Anakin is getting into trouble now. Yes, and as Jedi Master Eth Goth, I will say the force is strong with all of you. And I wish I had a cutout that uh, lit up, but Dave never gave me one, so... No, no. I can envy yours. It's not very Jedi <laughs> to be envious, but I can't help it. So, there you are. Very good. All right, man. James, we'll see you later. be well. Have a good Thanks. one. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. All right, take care.